0: In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend. Get informed. And get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio.
1: Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I'm your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is The People Show, and it is October the 24th, 2013. Thank you so much for joining us. We are here live every Tuesday and Thursday night. I had the um, pleasure of getting to record, I think, what will be our first podcast together uh, after we edit everything down and get some of the um, finite details worked out. Um, with Josh Wiley of the Journalistic Revolution last night. Josh and I tend to uh, have a quote after show after we're off the air here where we can uh, exchange ideas exchange information exchange videos and it um, typically turns into a learning experience for, for everybody and and we um, we got into some relatively deep stuff last night but also kept it a little bit of first layer so it might be our first podcast of the New World Order for Dummies. And we're going to have to really get um, deep into that topic here some other time. But with all the news and everything that's coming out lately, with the NSA spying, once again, shocker. But um, we're going to try something new this podcast. Um, I've talked to a lot of the listeners, and um, I like to get everybody's feedback on what would make the show better. And um, sometimes... People say that they would like some kind of ambient noise in the background, some kind of low, low volume music. So I'm going to try to give that to them, and hopefully the volume won't be too loud where it'll overpower my voice. But it'll also give you a break from whenever I take a breath or whenever I stutter, stutter and stammer or what have you. That you'll be able to just enjoy the music in the background. So. We're going to try that tonight, trying a lot of different things with the show, mixing the show up quite a bit, because as we were discussing last night, there are a lot of people out there doing first level um, introduction into the societal woes that we have and the, and the challenge that face the American people today. And so I think it's up to, um, I think it's up to my show to really, to really go into a new direction. You know, I like to get philosophical on my show. I like to also play audio clips. I like to also, you know, talk about the news, give my take on the news, interview guests, you name it. But I want to get to a point where we're going to create a new type of media here that we are not cattle. Introducing other podcasters, introducing people that want to come in from just off the streets. But when we make the phone calls... And when we take your phone calls, so I would recommend that you start listening live because I'm going to try to make the show a little bit more interactive. I've had callers call in before and sometimes I just get on a roll and I just, you know, neglect to give the phone number out or neglect to take phone calls in general. There's two ways that you can call into the podcast. Uh, the first way is you can call in via cell phone or anything that you got. If you want to use the computer and dial us it, that way, you can reach us at 602-753-1916, or you can go to BlogTalkRadio.com and establish a user account there. It takes a few minutes, and then by using your Skype, which we prefer Skype because the audio is much better, to call in and um, and give us your take and the way that i'm going to structure the show it's not going to be like your average run-of-the-mill radio show i will typically get um three or four phone calls together and keep you on the line and we'll go through each individual giving you a minute or two and if you get on a roll we'll just let you roll with it but we want to really open this forum up to a discussion you know i enjoy running the show i enjoy you know, breaking some of the news and and giving my take on situations, and also expounding on my conscious awakening, and it, as it ever changes, you know, throughout the day, and throughout each day, you try to learn something new and try to grasp a new concept, and that's what um, that's what I really think life is about: is pushing yourself and challenging yourself to to think outside the box and and to you know do things that will that will physically challenge you as well. I'm a big proponent of exercise, and, and I get out there and do that on a regular basis, and I always feel um, more invigorated and fresher and 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 more uh, alert when I do um, have an opportunity to go work out. So just trying to promote a different culture, because American culture has become somewhat stagnant. It's the, the more comfortable you are with your with your laziness and the more comfortable with you are of not expounding on your humanity and not expounding your mind and, and really trying to challenge your own beliefs, because that's when real creativity comes in, is when you start to challenge your belief system and question why you believe certain things. Because we have all met those people that have little to no education, and they are the smartest people in the room, because they don't know what, and this is a it's a i know it's gonna sound like a a weird um a weird proverb, but it's true you, they don't know what they don't know, meaning that they're unaware of the things that they don't know, so therefore everything that they do know, they just take that as fact, and then they just employ that into their life and just create a a basically a false reality compared to what is really going on around them. So, as the American culture starts to disintegrate, it's up to we the people, it's up to the we the non-cattle, we the non-sheeple, to educate one another and to talk to one another, engage in conversation, do go back to human activity again, you know, talking to one another in the grocery store line. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, you know, talking to a police officer, talking to you know anybody, you know getting people to engage in conversation because slowly but surely we can change the way that our nation has become and and, and our populace has become because let's face it, we are probably the most decadent slovenly slobs that have ever ever graced this planet because we had so much wealth and we have so much convenience now with all of our modern day technology does it make it that we're all humans that can't be different no it just makes it a little harder because technology makes life easy so that's where we're headed and that's what we're trying to do with the show and, and that's why Josh and I are going to spin off you know the um, the new world order for dummies and and we're going to start with some really basic You know, background, historical background, books for you to read. And we're not going to give you the the whole enchilada of books to read. We're going to give you, you know, white papers. We're going to give you videos to watch. We're going and we're going to link it into the show. And I'll create another tab under the wearenotcattle.net so that people can find it easily. Because we really do need to start having a dialogue and changing the way that we really do conversate with one another. Because the way things are going now, we're going to end up in the clutches of something very, very nasty. And the economic situation is not going to get better, but we have to make people aware of that. People don't understand. People that are plugged in to the matrix don't really understand that that the way that life is going currently is not the way that it should be, especially here in America. I mean you have people posting on the democratic blogs you know, using the Tea Party and putting the burning cross as the tea in the Tea Party. And it says, draw your conclusions from here, as if everybody in the Tea Party is some racist hate group. Which I have news of, of, about soldiers being told that, that Christians, that Christian people here in America. And yes, you know, some people will argue that the founding fathers were Christian, which most of them were deists. But the philosophy in, in, in the archetype is, if you know history, is very, very scary. Because if you understand history, if you understand what what happened in Nazi Germany and in Soviet Russia, the oppression always starts with a small individual group, and then the individual group gets expanded. And I don't care what your views are on the Tea Party. I have my views on the Tea Party. But I don't care. You can't look at one group and single them out and say that these people are a threat. Now, Americans after 9-11 got in this big Muslim extremist sphere where they thought that Muslims were behind every table and that they were all going to come and get them and we were going to get blown up by Muslims all day and all night. But as we've seen in the past 11 years, or excuse me, 12 years since 9-11, that hasn't happened. What was that? That was government propaganda. That was fear propaganda. In order to pass legislation that you would have never passed in your wildest dreams had that have not happened. But they took advantage of a situation. It's kind of like I would equate it to um, a guy that takes advantage of a, of a girl at a, at a college frat party that's had too much to drink. Not that she's blacked out, but she's just, you know, not in her right mind, and some guy goes and and they go over and hook up and everything, you know, the next day she feels bad, but, you know, she gets on with her life, but America hasn't gotten on with our lives. We've basically remained in this stagnant position where we're afraid of everything, and the cops are afraid that citizens are going to pull guns on them and shoot them and that it's just very very bizarre. We live in a constant state of fear here in America. And that's what not what America is about. I mean, if you studied the history of America, the Amer- the people that founded this country were the exact opposite of that. They understood what they were up against when they started writing letters to King George and he wasn't going to comply with what their demands were and what they were asking. They're like, "Okay, well they're going to they're going to come and get us." So we better do something. But Americans are so terrified of everything, they couldn't even imagine that terrorism isn't real. They can't even imagine that there's global controllers that really do game the planet and by using spy systems have found a way to put people in power as well as Put monetary systems in place which basically turns you into a debt slave. And then utilizing the spy systems that they've created and they've established all throughout the United States and all throughout the world, the United States being the major one, spying on everybody, spying on foreign powers, which, you know, that's what you're supposed to do if you're a government. You're not supposed to spy on your own citizens, but the NSA just says, we're going to spy on everybody. So I've hit on a couple of points here, but let's go ahead and dive right into it. Let's talk about the breaking news today. And here is, just off the presses, this is um, an exclusive from Foreign Policy. It says, Germany, Brazil, turn to the UN to restrain American spies. And the article is, once again, from um, foreignpolicy.com. And it says Brazil and Germany today joined forces to press for the adoption of a U.N. general resolution that promotes the right of privacy on the Internet, making the first major international effort to restrain the NSA's intrusions into online communications of foreigners, according to diplomatic sources familiar with the push. What about here in America? We just left out. They can spy on us. But anyway, the. The effort follows a German claim that U.S. spy agency has been tapped in the private phone lines of the German Chancellor Angela Merkel, which, yes, it has, and dozens of other world leaders. Once again, if you're a nation state, that's what you do. You spy on other nations, not your people. This is not something brand new. It's been going on forever. I mean, since... Anyway, since they used to send infiltrators into other clans to get, gather information and then go back to the original clan and explain to them what was going on at the tribe next to them. I mean, it's just, just this is just human activity, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, continuing, it also comes about one month after Brazil's leader... Um, um, denounced the NSA espionage against her country as a breach of international law and in a general assembly speech proposed that the UN establish guidelines to prevent cyberspace from being used as a weapon of war. Brazilian and German diplomats met in New York today and with a small group of Latin American government and European governments to consider to draft a resolution that calls for the expansion of privacy rights contained in the international um, covenantal, civil, and political rights to the online world. The draft does not refer to a a flurry of American spy revelations that have caused a political uproar around the world, particularly in Brazil and in Germany, but it is clear that the revelation provided a political momentum and trigger today to move to the United Nations. The blowback from the NSA leaks continues to, to antagonize the U.S. diplomats and the military officials concerned about, the Amer- about America's image abroad. So as an example of the very worst aspects of Snowden's disclosures, so the former def- defense official with experience in NATO told the cable, referring to the former contractor Edward Snowden. It may be very difficult for the U.S. to dig out of this, although we're all, over, we're all over time. What is that? I don't even know what that means. The short-term costs and credibility of trust are enormous. Well, maybe we should have thought about that before we just went and willy-nilly spied on everybody all over the planet. Might have been a good idea. It says although the UN's ability to fundamentally constrain the, UNI- the NSA is nil, the mounting international uproar over the U.S. surveillance and security experts fear for the ramifications. It says in quote, the worst case scenario I think would be having European allies saying that they will no longer share signals of intelligence because of the concern that it's that the um, that the significant intelligence would be derived into mechanisms that violate their privacy rules, said Ray Kimball, an Army strategist and, and policy expertise with policy experience on European issues. He stressed he was not speaking for the military. And the article goes on and on from there. So let's think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Let's think about what we're getting into here. The United States has basically become... An, incredible, an incredibly powerful nation that has kept its people in, in the dark for so long that now the American people can't break with their classical conditioning and they at least toy with the notion that maybe we're not the good guys anymore. And it's not saying that you individually are bad, whoever's out there listening. It's not saying that that I'm an individually bad person for living here in America. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that the activities of the U.S. government over the past 25 years have been skeptical at best. If you look at things from, from the Jimmy Carter era all the way, even back to Nixon, all the way up to present day, We haven't really handled ourselves as a superpower. We've basically abused our superpower um, status. So how do we rein that in? How do we make a change here in America? Well, it starts with the people, and it starts with two things. It starts with not following the status quo and not being a coward. Now see, we've got incidents here all over the United States of activists, people that I know personally that are being targeted not target, targeted with ammunition or anything like that but are having little dirty tricks played on them which is to be expected, I guess, if you're speaking out against a um, a corrupt regime or a corrupt government you could you could probably expect that depending on how big your fan base is, and and all of these things. But I think we really have to ask ourselves at the end of the day, if the government really had nothing to hide, why would it be going after and, and threatening and harassing the people that are trying to expose what they're hiding? Why would that be? Is that what the good guys do? Do the good guys torture? Do the good guys use drone missiles on innocent people? Do the good guys go and attack foreign nations for no real reason at all, saying that they have weapons of mass destruction and can never produce proof? And after a 10-year occupation and millions millions of people dead, we're still the good guys? These are the questions that we need to ask ourselves here as Americans. Because it's up to us. Remember, it's we the people. As much as you would like to believe that or as much as Washington would like to believe that they sit up on the hill with their golden crowns and their in their impenetrable fortresses and their billion dollar or their million dollar mansions and thousands of dollar suits, that they're the government. That is not the case, ladies and gentlemen. But we have to be aware of what's going on first. And we have to understand how to return to just basic principles of being a good society. So, And I tell you what a good society and a free society doesn't do. A free society doesn't tell you what you can wear. It doesn't tell you what you can say. It doesn't shoot little kids for having water guns. It doesn't, do, it doesn't pepper spray innocent people. That's not a free society. That's a tyranny. That is hardcore tyranny. If Americans saw what happened to American people on television, because you're not going to see it because the news won't show it to you, because it's not in their best interest and it doesn't fit the narrative. Remember when I interviewed Ben Swann? And if you haven't heard the, um, if you haven't heard the show, I'd highly recommend you go listen to it, or you can watch it on YouTube. Or actually, I think I just uploaded it on my website, WeAreNotCattle.net. You can go in the bottom right-hand corner and check it out. But that's what we're facing. We're facing a, a group of people that are just going along with a design narrative. And they're trying to keep the narrative alive. Even though the, now they're seeing that the narrative is falling apart and that the U.S. might not be the shining beacon of liberty that it once was. But that's up to us. That's up to the American people to do something. It's not up to anybody else. It's not up to the United Nations to say, stop spying on us. It just takes enough people to get angry and focused and organized and calling senators and doing things like that, trying to create reform. And if they don't listen to what you say, if they don't listen to what you do, then you fire them. It's really that simple. Because Americans have this ideology and this notion that out of the ashes somewhere is going to rise this hero that will come in and save the nation. That's never what this country has been about. It has never been about one individual. It has never been about one group. It hasn't been about Republican or Democrat, Whig or Tory, whatever you want to call it. It's been about people. And right now, we are under a scientific technocracy with an incredible welfare class below it, and we're in trouble. And I'm going to read you a, an excerpt here from this book that I'm reading called After the, After the Welfare State. But first, I want to play the report from Alan Grayson that I didn't get to last, uh, a couple of days ago. Where Alan Grayson talks about or uses the tea and the tea party to basically align the tea party people with, with the Ku Klux Klan. And ladies and gentlemen, this is not just him. This is a narrative, as Ben Swann and I talked about before. This is a narrative that is now being perpetrated and perpetually pushed through liberal outlets. Once again, I'm not liberal or conservative. I'm just calling it like I see it. See, the establishment has screwed up so bad, and they have gone for so much in this presidency under the cloak of racism. Because if you don't like the president, you're racist. If you don't believe that we should have socialized medicine, you're racist. If you don't believe that we should all, you know, pay everything that we can ever pay, pay all of our taxes to private corporate foreign banking cartels in the in the likes of a federal reserve system, then you're racist. It's not what it is. It's a narrative. Understand the propaganda that's being pushed at you. Decode the propaganda. Find out what the real message is. Because once you're awake to propaganda and how it works and narratives and trigger words, because if you remember, if you go back and watch videos of newscasts and stuff leading up to the weapons of mass destruction, what they do is they prey on your ignorance and they prey on the ability of the American people to not focus. It has a lot to do with the flicker rate on the television. It has a lot to do with how much television you watch it has a lot to do with your diet basically impeding your ability to cognitively focus it has a lot to do with the fluoride and other chemicals that they put in the water to keep you from focusing so if you can't focus then every couple of minutes they can hit you with something new and you won't even know it it's almost like dory from the um it's almost like dory from from um, I can't even remember the, um, the stupid Disney cartoon about the fish, but that's what it is. It's the life of a goldfish. That is the American people. We have the memory capacity of a goldfish. Unless you see through the propaganda and understand that you are being propagandized by government media, it is all state-run media now. There are narratives that are not allowed to get out. There are talking points, there are stories that are not allowed to get out because it isn't in the interest of the government to have those stories out. And that's how you know you're in a tyranny. When freedom of the press is being persecuted, when people that believe in simple basic human dignity, being able to protect yourself with the second amendment, being able to have low taxes, not having the government involved in everything that you do. ...and you don't like spying, then you're racist. That's propaganda. But it works if you're not paying attention because you never really look at the real issue. So here's the clip from uh, Alan Grayson. Once again, thanks everybody for tuning in. Once again, it is The People's Show. I should be joined here in a little bit by Josh Wiley. I don't know if he might have gotten sidetracked, but who knows. If he doesn't come on, i got plenty of information for you guys... And once again, stay tuned because we will be coming out with the, uh, the New World Order for Dummies podcast here pretty soon. Once we get all the, um, the structure and, and dates and times ironed out, that will be an absolute blast. And that is a good way to get people to understand that what you are under is a scientific technocracy. And you are living in suspended disbelief if you choose to. Here's Alan Grayson. U.S. Congressman
0: Alan Grayson is at the center of yet another controversy. This time, the Central Florida Democrat is comparing the Tea Party to the Ku Klux Klan. Take a look at this image. Grayson emailed his supporters a burning cross standing as the Tea in Tea Party. West WestJuice Ricky Klaus reports the Congressman is now getting some strong backlash. Congressman Grayson is not only getting attention for his comments and email, he's also getting backlash. Alan Grayson is no stranger to controversy. There's a political website that keeps track of all of them. Now his critics have even more ammunition. Grayson sent out a fundraiser email with this image, the TNT party burning like a cross, with two Ku Klux Klan members looking on. Grayson started the KKK comparison last week on Reverend Al Sharpton's MSNBC show. The backlash began immediately. Matt Gorman of the National Republican Congressional Committee sent this statement. There's no excuse for the hateful words and imagery used by Congressman Grayson. House Democrats should swiftly and strongly condemn him and return the money he's raised for them. This hate-filled rhetoric has Americans fed up with Washington. Grayson's image has offended some, but not all. I agree 100%. Uh, I think the Tea Party is a bunch of uh, extremists. AND IT'S UNFORTUNATE BECAUSE IT GIVES A PARTY A BAD NAME.
2: So VERY INSENSITIVE WITH YOU KNOW, I don't, I DON'T LIKE TO SEE any, ANYBODY in TROUBLE FOR ANYBODY ELSE.
0: GRAYSON IS NO STRANGER TO CONTROVERSY. HE'S LONG BEEN KNOWN FOR HIS ATTENTION-GRABBING COMMENTS. IN ORLANDO, RICKY Klaus, WESH 2 NEWS.
1: So that's the that's the brief report and I do wanna get into a um I do wanna get into a a section of this book that I'm reading because it's really gonna let you guys know what we're facing. And um it's it's an article entitled How the Welfare State Sank the Italian Dream. But I'm going to um am gonna go to your calls here. Looks like I got a caller on the line. Caller, you are up and on the air. Welcome.
2: Hi Jake, how you doing?
1: How's it going, buddy? Who is
2: this? This is Rick Staggenborg from Soldiers for Peace International. How's
1: it That's going, man? You
2: I'm shows on. Hey, uh, real good. I like what I'm hearing so far. I just tuned in, uh, and I don't necessarily agree with everything you're saying, but I think the general tone makes a lot of sense. I am so sick of people who call themselves liberals being so intolerant of people who think of themselves as conservatives. I mean, they both got to get a clue.
1: That, Absolutely. You know, and, they, and if you and, and, and liberal in the classical sense is... Now, when you Sorry, say liberal, I, I assume you mean liberal in the, in the classical sense of, of being a, a learned person, correct?
2: Well, uh, or somebody, you know, liberality is about freedom, really. Correct. And, um, you know, real conservatives respect that totally. So it isn't like... There's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main difference between uh, people who call themselves liberals and people who call themselves conservatives traditionally is that conservatives understand that if you, if you want change, you've got to do it uh, in a, a measured pace. You've got to be careful how you change things because you don't want right. to throw out a baby at the bathwater. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. I mean, why do we have to be one or the other? It depends on the issue
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think that what we've lost here in America has been the actual debate. There is no debate anymore. There is a there is political infighting. Everybody puts their jersey on and then goes and yells at the other side instead of actually having a a thought-provoking, you know, argument or not argument, a, a conversation with one another and say, "Well, I don't like you said before. You don't really, you know, it, well, once again, I don't side with either party, so." I'm just trying to I'm just trying to point out that that the race or, or that the excuse me that the, the party politics has gotten so far out of hand and whether you're on the extreme right or the extreme left it is it is really dividing this nation and I think that what, what we could really use is a little bit of um, a little bit of the trivium you know some grammar logic and rhetoric in order to get through some of these challenging positions that we're in what would you say?
2: Oh, I would agree totally. Um, and as far as the two parties, I call them the duopoly because, you know, they're both so heavily influenced by special interest money that neither one represents this. So
1: anybody that
2: wants to, to tell me that the Republican talking points are better than the Democratic talking points or vice versa, mm-hmm. they're, just, they're just having the wrong discussion. I don't even want to talk about that. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and that's the, well, that's the, that's the big
1: distraction. That's what, they, that's what they want. They want the big diversion. Would you agree?
2: Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are some distinctions in terms of social issues, um, but that is really a distraction because the most important things right now are the economy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, what are we going to do about this incredibly in- inefficient system of health care that's going to collapse with or without Obamacare? Sure. As we really change it. Uh, what are we going to do about all these endless wars, NSA spying, uh, mm-hmm. p- militarization of the police? These are all issues that traditional conservatives and traditional liberals should all be together on. That's that's the part that drives me crazy. It drives me crazy
1: to too. It does. It drives me crazy <laughs> too. And I and I no, I I literally will have anybody that will come on and have a conversation with me and. And whether it's a, I have a friend of mine that's a that's a communist, and that's what he believes. He's a he's a he's a communist, and he believes in that system. And he and I will, you know, even though we disagree philosophically about what what kind of world we would like to live in, we both fundamentally agree that that having a country that spies on its citizens, that having a um, a private banking group loaning your government money at interest when every time you pay taxes it doesn't even go to pay the principal on the debt it just goes to pay the interest on the debt which perpetuates debt slavery we we know right. that, that system needs to be that system needs to be dethroned but then you come into a you come into a paradigm where they've created these two separate factions and it's really once you're out of the two factions it's really fascinating to watch them debate one another because it's not really a debate they just recite talking points towards one another and and neither one of them ever want to bridge that gap with a conversation.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, take healthcare care for an example, because that's really what got me active in politics. I'm a physician, and I got to study in healthcare economics uh, so that I could represent physicians for a national health care program. And mm-hmm. speaking events. Sure. And it, it just became so obvious so quickly that we absolutely need universal health care because it's the only economic way we can't even have any kind of a health care system. We're paying almost twice as much as countries with universal health care. And mm-hmm. we, get, we still have 50 million unemployed. And Obamacare mm-hmm. isn't going to change it that much. There's 50 mm-hmm. million unemployed, but of the, I, I, excuse the uninsured. But of the mm-hmm. people that are still insured, a lot of them are getting worse insurance. I just saw it on ABC News. Thank God they're mm-hmm. doing some real news. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they, were, they were talking about I think they have to at this
1: point. I really yeah, do. I think well, they have know, to at I, this I point because you have shows out, out there that are really co- they're really calling them to the carpet, and and people are tuning out. You know, the only thing that'll get the mainstream media's attention is ratings. And as soon as they start losing ratings, they're going to say, "What do we need to do?" Well, we actually might need to start doing real investigative journalism.
2: It's so funny though because uh, you know, ever since the, we were warned in the fifties by Edward R. Murrow that when you
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, let commercial outfits, run the news, and you know, they're run by the same people who run the entertainment division,
1: they're going to the
2: lines, and they're not going to cover uh, issues that impact their advertisers. Uh, mm-hmm. So if their crim- advertisers are corporate criminals, they're not going to be talking about it. Sure. So it puts them in a real bind, like you say. You know, God, we can't ignore everything about reality. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, if they start revealing corporate criminality, I'd say the banksters or the people in the medical industrial complex or the military industrial complex. If they start reviewing that, then then they're going to get attacked by people who are going to fund other media outlets.
1: Well, see, I, <laughs> they, they I love having conversations with people. I, I love having conversations with people like you because you you say that you're you say that you're a liberal and and then no, the way I didn't that, say that Oh, okay, well, I'm sorry, <laughs> just. The, the philosophical understanding that we all need to get across is that, is that our nation is in trouble. And you touched on all the high points. And, and if you look at the way that the nation is run, the nation isn't run by the people. The nation isn't run by the government. It's run by special interests and corporations. And that doesn't just go here for the United States. That goes for every place in the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the bankers. Now here's, I
2: always like to get this point out. The banker, mm-hmm. the people say, oh, it's all the banksters. Well, you know what? It really is. Because mm-hmm. if you look at, that, there was a study done, I think, just in the last year that showed there's 143 uh, of the largest international corporations uh, own 40% of the assets of 40, yep. uh, 43,000 of the mm-hmm. largest international corporations. And taking 60% of the income, now if you look at the list, the top 25 are all banks or, social, or, or financial sure. institutions. So mm-hmm. they literally control entire industries. The energy sector is controlled by the banksters. They create oh, absolutely. Um, speculative oil bubbles, bubbles, they manipulate the oil prices, and partly they do it by the war and threats of war.
1: <laughs> and also and also by and also by suppressing real technology that can compete with them and create you know not truly free energy sources but much less expensive energy sources and much less harm to the environment than you know than than plastics and any other oil based commodity that's out there so you make a valid point and then when you try to and here's the challenge that i run into when I try to explain that to people and even I'll even show them you know interviews like when Karen huds who was the um who was a whistleblower from the from the world bank you know three two tiers down from the top of the pyramid in the in the banking sector, she talked about that they didn't you the the statistics that you said were the exact ones that she brought up that that everything is controlled by about this one little super entity is what they called it, and they couldn't really put their finger on who it was. But if people understand how the transfer of money goes, where it goes from the Federal Reserve System to the Bank of London, and then to the Vatican, which you won't see a lot of people go that far, but that's if you look at history, you know the Vatican has always been involved, especially in money relations. So it, it just really becomes a a swollen beast. And and how here's a question for you: How do we get people to first admit that the that the lifestyle and and the perceived reality that they've been in is a farce and then get them to, to try to understand where this is going. How do we do that?
2: Well, I recommend that people have um, movie parties where they show educational films, in particular The Matrix.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: And it was funny that
1: you bring that up. My friend Josh and I were doing a um, we're doing a podcast, and we were doing New World Order for Dummies, and he brought that uh, movie up like three or four times, and he said that we were probably going to lose a bunch of listeners. But it's a it's a perfect allegory, even to the point of if you get into the spiritual side of things, using the if we're all basically fractals using the fractals and the bits and bytes of information to, to basically create the reality we're, that we're in, right?
2: Well, absolutely, but I try to avoid those kind of references because most people don't understand them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a, a little bit more concrete example, uh, if you want to talk about spirituality and how it plays out in mass media, is mm-hmm. Avatar. I sure. think Avatar is another really good analogy um, For reality, if you're a spiritual person, I mean, we have higher. We exist in a higher plane. Uh, We have manifestation in the physical world, Uh, but we are not. uh, Let's
1: put it this way. We're not limited to space time. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go
2: ahead. Not only only that. I mean, because I don't want people to think I'm assuming that we have an immortal soul. But you do have to ask the question: If I decide I'm going to do something and I make my body do that, who am the I? Or if I observe something, who's Mm -hmm. the I that's observing?
1: Um, Mm -hmm. Where
2: does that come from? Does my brain actually observe and put things together? No, it happens in my mind. Mm -hmm. But I still have to observe it. My mind doesn't do the observing. Mm -hmm. There's something in the center of all this that's observing it. The mind is like uh, a computer screen. And there still mm. has to be an observer. So no sure. matter how smart the computer is, and the computer programmer, you still have to be there to observe it. And that's what we do. And I think that in Avatar, when the guy takes control of this body and 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 lives in a completely different world, mm. and learns a different way of looking at things, and learns that everything on that planet is interconnected—not just what's alive right now, but everyone who ever lived is still directly in connection with everyone who's still alive in that time that's a real allegory for real life if you're a spiritual person and you believe everything's connected.
1: Absolutely, and and I've said this on my show many times. I've had an out-of-body experience when I was nine years old, and I guess that's why I perceive life differently than than most people because I, I know the experience that I've had was tangible the experience of actually leaving my body and and feeling the the shift to another plane was was tangible and palpable and so now i i try to I try to enlighten people and, and express to them not only not only the joy that is this life and and experiencing this life for what it is and embracing it and even all of the calamities that are going on around us, just still embracing it and being in awe of of reality i mean just think about. Think about what Earth is. I mean, it's a rock in the middle of a, in the middle of a universe, in the middle of a galaxy, and that's infinite. I mean, you can't really wrap your head around that. But once you try, you really do get a semblance of, of how small we are. And I think that your, your uh, analogy to, to Avatar is a great place for us to start. If everything is connected, then we should start treating everything like it's connected. Would you agree? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, absolutely. And. and you know, to get back to uh, the more concrete issue of how do you get people to understand what's really going on, I think that is sort of the key. It's about making these connections. Now, I look at the progressive movement, I look at the Tea Party movement, and I ask myself, how come these people can't work together? And and how come the people on the progressive side can't work with each other? I mean, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, uh, it is. You just got to identify what the main goals are. And the thing that all of those groups are working for, is some form of justice, you know, representative right. democracy. Right. Let's 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 appeal to the um, highest common denominator here, mm-hmm. and let's say this is worth fighting for, and this is worth putting aside our differences and working together for.
1: Absolutely, and I say I say um, on my show many times, can we just start with rule of law? I don't care what political mm-hmm. party you're at. I mean I believe that you know not rules that that are coming down now where it's all of these crazy edicts sent down through through the chain of command written by corporations like the TPP and things like that those aren't laws those are treaties those those should be null and void because the people don't have a vote on them the people from from our country don't have a vote on these issues the people from the other countries don't have a vote it's basically corporations sitting in the back room dividing up how they're going to run the planet which is not I think we can all agree that that's not the way that we want to live under some kind of corporate world entity that we should just at least start with, you know, common sense and rule of law, that we all have the ability to exist here on this planet at the same time. We have the ability to f- have free speech. If my speech, you know, offends you, then I'm sorry that stuff, your some of your speech might offend me. But I think when we get to this point where we start really trying to curtail people's speech that really does handcuff people in their ability to think outside the box and the ability to reach out to the other side because we're all so worried that what if I say something that's politically incorrect? What do you feel about that? No, I'm <laughs> well, serious. There are people funny. that are terrified no, about no, offending I, people. I
2: totally know what you mean, man. I was just having an extended um, debate. On a Facebook page with some uh, people who are strong supporters of Israel, and it got to a point where I was—I uh, forget the comment I made. Oh, I said, "Well, you know, not all Jews are are Zionists. Not all of them." No, you can't say there.
1: that. You can't. They don't. They don't ever buy that. I've done. I've been down that route before. Well, they no, don't but ever wait buy.
2: Wait a minute. That's not. That's not the main point. I wanted to tell you where I went okay. to. Because okay. I don't do the and I sent a video of some rabbis getting beat up in uh, somewhere in Israel for protesting Zionism, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, "This is what happens if you try to, to exercise your right to free speech." You, you know, if you go against uh, the, the mob mentality there, and they said, "Oh, well, those are religious extremists, and the government has to shut them up." <laughs> <laughs> What? what? I thought you just they, – and they were arguing this is a democracy. I said, you can't have a, a, a democracy based on inequality. And they said, yes, it is. And then they said, but you have to you know, beat the minorities. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: And it, it, it basically parallels the story that I was going to read the headline for. Um, well, this is a fascinating conversation. I'll just read you the headline that came off of Infowars, that they had some intel that – that Fort Hood soldiers were being told that Christians and Tea Partiers were a radical terror threat. Now, I don't care what your perception is of the Tea Party. All I understand is that if you start lumping in Christians, or once you start segregating people and saying that they're a specific threat, especially when it's domestic, I have flashbacks because I read history. I have flashbacks to Nazi Germany and the Jewish population and and Soviet Russia and the Jewish population because I think a lot of people forget that but that they had they adopted the same kind of archetype over there in Soviet Russia it just wasn't as it wasn't as prominent they didn't keep as you know good a records as the Nazis as the Nazis were absolutely astonishing in how well they kept records and then of course 10,000 or so you know of them moved over here and we had to we had to keep them away because you know they would otherwise become communists and then you know communism would spread so it's an absolute joke, but well, what do you think about things like that, where they're starting to to alienate specific groups and saying that these might be homegrown extremist threats when there's been no when there's been no evidence to, to support these facts?
2: Well, I got to be honest with you. When I first heard the, um, I think it was the 2011 uh, National Intelligence Assessment said the um, biggest threat in the United States was uh, uh, domestic. Uh, How they put it ultra-conservative or something mm-hmm. like that, uh, sure. militia groups. And I mm-hmm. said, well, you've you know, got a lot of guns, and they sure are pissed. You know, that may mm-hmm. very well be true. But then mm-hmm. I start seeing how they're demonizing groups like Oath Keepers, just because... Yes. Just because there's a lot of nut jobs in, them. and there are. <laughs> but I know no we can, No, but every. I'm in no those too, and they don't. They don't speak for me. <laughs> yeah,
1: but see, that's one of the things that I think you and I can agree on. And what you were just, you know, mentioning earlier is that the, you know, whatever kind of faction it is, whether it's the whether it's you know the progressives or if it's the Tea Party, you're always going to have somebody that's a little. Listen, I've been to a bunch of End of Fed rallies, and I've been around some people that I'm like. Okay, this guy's um, a little bit, <laughs> you're a little much right now, man. You might want to tone down the intensity. But I think we can all agree that there's some there's some specific, you know, outsiders that are going to be the extreme of that specific sect, but it doesn't necessarily mean demonize the entire group.
2: Right. And the other thing is, um, and I keep having to explain to people why I stay in Oath Keepers even though the founder Himself has made some pretty crazy statements. Um, mm-hmm. I say because the definition of a note keeper is someone who has reaffirmed their oath to protect the Constitution and the people of the United mm-hmm. States instead of the government. That does mm-hmm. not mean I want to violently overthrow it, but I will refuse to mm-hmm. obey the ten orders that we take a vow not to obey. Uh, 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 well, yeah, we take a vow not to obey. You know, we won't mm-hmm. take away people's guns. We will not uh, illegally detain people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, all these things that, that could happen under NDAA. Mm-hmm. That's why I encourage people to become members of Oath Keepers. If there aren't people like you and me who who understand common sense and don't have crazy, paranoid ideas about what's, what's going on, uh, it's not a socialist takeover. It's mm-hmm. a fascist takeover. Yes. And I understand Yay. how people get confused about those things, but they're not the same thing, and it's important to understand the difference. Because if we understand the difference, we're not going to fight each other. We're going to fight the
1: corporate power. Exactly, and people, you know, and that's one of the things that we we do run into on a day-to-day basis here with America, and the and the dumbing down of the population, and and some would actually, myself included, would would um, would argue that it has been done on purpose. I mean, I've seen enough. I've seen enough videos of whistleblowers and high up in the Department of Education saying that no, this is this is a plan. They're they're trying to really you know condense the population into a bunch of useful idiots. But when you look at it from from that perspective, and you and you understand that you know common sense has to prevail in these times. That we have to be, at least reach out and and begin the dialogue. And like you said, it's not about a violent takeover. And we and we also. We also misconstrued the definitions of terms now, and you know, just like you said, fascism and socialism, socialism and fascism are two totally different things. You know, fascism is ruled by here?
2: force. Can I jump in yeah. here? Yeah, I absolutely. I love to explain. I just thought of recently. Uh, fascism, let's see. Socialism is where the government owns the means of production, like they own the corporations.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Fascism is the other. Oh. I didn't finish. And they work together in each other's mutual interests. Correct. Uh, even when it's opposed to the interests of the people the government's supposed to serve. Now, social, or excuse me, fascism is exactly the opposite. That's yep. when. That's when the corpora- corporations control the government instead of government controlling the
1: corporations. So, so that, basically, really, what, so what are we in the now? That we have the, we have we have basically six individual offshore banks that are that are over everything. They're over the corporations. They're over it all. So what is that? Is that just an extreme form of monetary fascism?
2: Yes, I would call it that. And, and I mean, you know, so here's another thing, and people always jump on me when I use the term fascism, and they say, oh, you're saying Obama's a dictator because fascism has to have a dictator, no. and I say, you don't need a dictator when the country votes to, to give away the, 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 the nation, to give away the government to corporations. That's Amen. what we did when we elected Ronald Reagan, Amen. Um, you know, for all his good points. He also... Uh, said that government has to be run like a corporation, and then proceeded to piecemeal uh, give it away to
1: corporations. Yeah, he wasn't
2: nearly as bad as his successors, but he established that precedent.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's
2: the only reason I'm singling him out.
1: And that was after, and that but, was after the assassination, assassination attempt. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: well, that was after the assassination <laughs> attempt because if you remember, his rhetoric was really good up until the assassination attempt, and then he really did get the idea. And John Perkins documents it in his um, in his book Confessions of or is that the um, is that the um, the American Empire? I can't remember one of his two books. I've read them both. They're both pretty much parallel he's one trouble, another.
2: Actually, but yeah, yeah he's in trouble. But it yep. wasn't a, a confessions because I don't remember
1: reading it. It was the uh, it was the it, it was the American um, American
2: Empire.
1: Yeah, there we go, because he talks about how once um once that happened to Reagan, that that's when he you know reneged on the on the uh, treaty that uh, Jimmy Carter had with the Panama Canal and basically took it back, and so that's where all of the banksters and everybody instead of giving it. To, anyway, that, we'll we'll go off on a well, really long tangent of that.
2: I had not heard that, and I've read his, uh, three of his other books, but I haven't read that one yet. Mm, I'll it, it's, check that out. Well, you will
1: you will like it because it parallels um mm. it parallels the Confessions of an Economic Hitman, but it goes into a little bit more of the. Of the power brokers that he dealt with, and the controllers, and how they really how they really manipulated or the West really or excuse me the American government and their corporations really manipulated the south um, South Americans as well as the um, as, as well as the Indonesians, but he talks about the he basically focuses on the Indonesian part of it in the uh, confessions. But in that book, he, he really gets into the other different um, the variations of it, and he talks about exactly what you said about how Reagan really did sell us out, and he was pro- he was part of the uh, the bankster takeover as much as conservatives would like to think that that Reaganomics and, and Reagan once again Reaganomics was a good idea, but now we're doing the exact opposite of that. So um, we got about five minutes here. I'd love to, I'd love to hear your I'd love to hear your closing comments before we got to wrap it up. So go ahead.
2: Well. Um, I say, I mentioned earlier. I think that what we need to do is get conservatives and liberals, that is, people that label themselves that way, to work together on certain issues: mm-hmm. NDAA, NSA uh, spying, um, endless war, uh, the bankster takeover of the government, the offshoring of our jobs under Trans-Pacific mm-hmm. Partnership and other free trade mm-hmm. agreements. All those things are things we should be working together on. But in order to really make a difference, aside from educating each other about this and getting out on the streets together, mm-hmm. um, we also need to vote in people in Congress who are going to make those issues. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that when the, when the campaign finance system is so corrupt?
1: Well, no, we,
2: here's, here's my idea. We get them to declare their support for the, the Sanders and Deutsche um, uh, constitutional amendments that would make it illegal for corporations to donate to to spend any money uh, <coughs> to influence political campaigns and limit it, continue with the limitations on individual uh, donations. That now, would now wasn't expensive. that the that was the
1: law before? Currently, that was the law before, and then it got changed. In was it Clinton's era, or was that um, was that before Clinton? Because then you they know, made they were, made the, they made the law where corporations are, um, are considered individuals, and so the individual can donate however much it wants, and so since the corporation is considered an individual, it can donate whatever amount of money it wants to. I can't well, remember when that law went down.
2: It's a lot more complicated than that, to be honest. Yeah, that was definitely and, a
1: synopsis, for yeah. sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a whole series of decisions, and corporate personhood is a separate issue in campaign finance because what the Supreme Court said in, in Buckley versus Vallejo and Citizens United was Mm -hmm. that the listener has the right to hear whatever propaganda somebody can afford to throw at them. So corporations, uh, it didn't matter who the speaker was. So corporations can speak with as much money as they want. So the implication is that they have First Amendment rights, but they didn't cite uh, them having constitutional rights as the basis. It was the rights of the listener. So it's a completely Uh. phony rationale that doesn't uh, pass the smell test, and yet because... There's the Supreme Court, that's it, What it is. Um, now, a conference within balls could invoke the, uh, the um, Article 3 uh, that gives them the power to limit the purview of the Senate over certain political issues. Now, this is a mm-hmm. political issue. So if yeah. they wanted to, they could say, screw you. You don't, you know, we're going to pass legislation declaring that is outside your purview. You cannot review cases concerning campaign finance. They wouldn't even think about doing it because they're all there because of the way the system is. Absolutely. We elect people who promise to change the system. And then if they don't vote properly, then we get rid of them and start
1: with somebody else. Absolutely. And it was Rick, right? Hey Rick, thank you so much for calling in, and you're welcome anytime. Anytime I open the phones up, please call in. I I absolutely love the debate. I love the conversation, and and these are the types of conversations that people need to hear, so that they can understand how to engage, you know, their fellow citizens in in this kind of dialogue and and create solidarity among the people. Because once again, that's what we're about. We're about um, solidarity here and unity, and trying to really shift the paradigm and get this bankster occupying takeover. Out of here, so that we can actually go back to something that would resemble some semblance of a democracy. So, Rick, thanks so much for your call, man.
2: You Be bet. Take care. All
1: right, there he goes, everybody. Um, gosh, I always have so many <laughs> incredible people calling to my show. It's fantastic. So. Thanks for listening, everybody. That is going to do it for the podcast this evening. Once again, get a friend, get informed, get involved. Don't forget to check out my website, wearenotcattle.net. Check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe to me on YouTube, We Are Not Cattle TV. I'm going to be putting up some new videos coming in the next week or so, so stay tuned for those. And Also, if you could do, all do me a favor and go to iTunes and subscribe to my iTunes um, feed, and uh, rate me up if you like the show, man. Um, Let's try to push it towards the top so more and more people can hear this message of solidarity and unity, and we can really start to change the tide against the banking takeover and and start pushing this nation in the direction that it was supposed to go where we're all free-thinking individuals that respect one another and um, have some semblance of a free market to operate in and create wealth and happiness and prosperity for everybody. So thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. we be